and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. One of the uh, fun things about doing a podcast is you really can discuss any topic you'd like and there's a little bit of freedom being able to jump around a bit from one idea to the next. And so um, if any of you have comments or thoughts or topics or questions that you would like me to talk about, feel free to send that my way, uh, john at crossvieworville.com. That's john at crossvieworville.com. And I will say, um, before we get into it today, just one uh, brief uh, point of advertisement coming up in uh, July 8 to 12. We're having our vacation Bible school, and so um, love to have uh, if you have any kids or know of any neighborhood kids that would be interested in coming to that. We'd love to uh, to have them uh, be a part of our vacation Bible school. So um, it's uh, the theme this year is time lab, and the idea is seeing Christ in really all of Scripture from. Uh, the beginning all the way through to the end of Scripture. And so uh, let us know if uh, it's something that you'd be encouraged by. We have a a, a registration link that's going to be going up on our website soon, Um, so be on the lookout for that. Okay, I'd like to talk about a topic today that really is uh, in part a response to uh, an event that I recently attended, and we were talking about the sufficiency of Scripture, and an objection was raised by someone, and the objection went something like this. I agree that the Bible has wisdom and truth contained in it, but who are you to say that there are not other sources of authority out there that can make equally valid truth claims? Now, in a moment, I'm going to argue against this point, but first, I just want to recognize one thing, and that is we're not saying that everything outside of the Bible is false. Rather, we're saying that only the Bible is an infallible authority. So, let's just take gravity, for instance. The Bible doesn't give to us the empirical details of how gravity works, uh, but it does give to us, interestingly enough, a foundation for the existence of gravity in our universe. Genesis 8.22, we read, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. The Bible establishes for us the uniformity of nature, how the details of gravity work. uh, We don't even entirely understand ourselves. But we do have an infallible guide called the Bible that establishes a foundation for knowledge. And so, again, there can be things that are true outside of Scripture. That's not the claim. Um, the claim, rather, is only the Bible is the infallible authority um, for us. And so, back to the topic at hand, I, I want to talk to us about sola scriptura. Okay, we use this phrase to talk about the Bible alone uh, is authoritative. Um, but I want to talk about this idea actually from a little bit of a different angle. I don't want to defend sola scriptura to unbelievers. And I don't really even want to defend the doctrine to believers per se. Instead, I actually want to talk to believers who believe in sola scriptura, what is there to talk about then? Well, I want to talk to my fellow believers in Christ about the subtle ways in which we unintentionally abandon the doctrine of sola scriptura. Even if our unbelieving friends criticize us and reject the authority of the Bible, I at least want them to see us acting consistently. 
and to really um, believe what we say we believe, act like what we say we believe. And so uh, all of this to really get to the verse that I'd like to talk about today, and that is Proverbs 1.7, and that verse says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Knowledge begins with God. Knowledge has its source with God. God is both omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, as well as all-wise. He knows how to perfectly apply his knowledge in a good way. God does not lack any knowledge at all. And if I'm going to be able to think logically, and if I'm going to be able to speak coherently, and if I'm going to have wisdom, then I'm going to need to do what Proverbs 1.7, that is to begin my thinking process with Scripture, or with the fear of the Lord, as it says here. I recently uh, reread one of my favorite books on reconciliation, and I noticed a statement that made me extremely uncomfortable in every other way. I love the book. I love the author. But there was just one statement in particular that made me cringe, and he was instructing us on how to achieve reconciliation with unbelievers. Okay, so, so, so he first began by saying, this is how you seek peace and reconciliation with someone who's a believer. And then he transitioned to say, okay, now we're going to talk about how you do the same thing except with unbelievers. Okay, and so this is what he says, quote, of course, you should modify your approach somewhat being sensitive to their perspectives and needs. Instead of referring to specific Bible verses, you may appeal to commonly held interests or values, such as preserving a marriage or maintaining a good reputation, end quote. Why did I cringe when I read those two sentences? Because he is saying, and I don't think he means this, okay, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt on this, but just the way that this statement is, is written I think it's very deceptive because he, he's, he's saying this. When we engage unbelievers, we must appeal to a different authority, to a different standard. So instead of saying you shouldn't commit adultery because God says it's wrong, he essentially advises us to say you shouldn't commit adultery because it might cause relational discord in your marriage. Have we Christians forgotten what is authoritative? Have we forgotten the simple phrase, thus saith the Lord? What an expedition that becomes. If all of a sudden I've got to take this this archaeological expedition into the hearts of every single unbeliever, find out what they value, and then figure out some way to appeal to that value system to make them do things that are good. When I am in the counseling room and I have to come up with alternative values and an alternative authority in order to appeal to the unbeliever, I have subtly abandoned sola scriptura. And I, one of the areas where I see this example um, with perhaps the most frequency is really in the area where Christians uh, seek to warn teenagers in particular uh, against the dangers of premarital sex. And since it's not cool to believe in the Bible, even among so-called Christian teens, the popular appeal and uh, the drive here is you should practice abstinence because if you don't, you could get STDs or you could get pregnant or you could create emotional damage, dot, 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 etc. Yes, there are negative psychological and negative 
physical consequences to sin. But why is that the case? Because we are living in God's universe and the universe operates according to God's laws, not ours. When we appeal to the consequences of sin as a deterrent to sin, we are making a subtle trade. We are trading the authority of the of the Bible for the authority of Machiavelli, which of course, as you know, the end justifies the means. As believers in Christ, instead, we must unapologetically embrace the statement, thus saith the Lord. As we communicate with both believers and unbelievers, Bonson uh, discusses how we abandon this in another area, namely the the area of apologetics. And too frequently, what uh, we tend to do is to discard the Bible in order to prove the Bible to unbelievers. You know, prove to me the Bible is true, but you can't use the Bible kind of thing. Now, I'm going to paraphrase here, uh, but essentially, Bonson says that the problem with this is that it's like treating my own autonomy, my own authority, as a ladder to get to Jesus. And then once I arrive there, I throw the ladder away because Jesus is now seen as sufficiently authoritative in every area. Well, the contradiction should be very evident. My method of getting to Jesus is incompatible with the conclusion. Is my authority sufficient or is Jesus' authority sufficient? If my authority is sufficient, if I am autonomous, if I am authoritative, there is no compelling reason to conclude that the Bible is sufficient. So why would I ever get there? How could I ever get to that point if the ladder, the, 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 figuratively speaking here, this ladder of human autonomy, if that's enough? I don't ever need to get to Jesus. If, on the other hand, though, the Bible's authority is sufficient, it's inconsistent to deny that conclusion in order to arrive at that conclusion. So I'm, practically speaking, I'm I'm denying that Jesus is sufficient in order to finally conclude that he is sufficient. And I think we do this not only in apologetics, but in so many different categories. The same is true, for example, in the realm of science. Uh, While all scientific, let me say, while all supposed scientific conclusions are presented as undeniable fact, there's much more bias going on than we initially see. To start with, uh, the filters through which science is done are often unreliable. Empiricism and materialism, for example, uh, by default exclude contrary evidence and facts based on what is compatible with their starting points. And so, When believers in Christ seek to reinterpret Genesis in favor of theistic evolution or other theories, they have inadvertently discarded, thus saith the Lord. Evolution and creation are simply not compatible, and one authority must yield to the other. Is the Bible authoritative, or is the scientist? Though uh, he's not a believer, Stanley Fish drives this point home well. He actually, this is an interview that had taken place several years ago that he's commenting on, but it's an interview, um, or I think it may be a roundtable that had been going on. But uh, Richard Dawkins and Stephen Pinker were part of this. And uh, in this, this discussion, what Dawkins was trying to do was to establish the credibility of scientific research. And he said... 
um, when talking about where to go to find different, um, you know, authoritative uh, research articles or whatever, he says, uh, Dawkins said in the interview, quote, you can actually cite chapter and verse, end quote. Uh, so, So Dawkins says, you can actually go out and find, quote unquote, chapter and verse somewhere to establish this scientific principle or whatever it might be. Now, Fish, going back to his article on this, he comments on that statement and he says this, quote, We still cite chapter and verse. We still operate on trust. But the scripture has changed and is now identified with the most up-to-date research conducted by credentialed and secular investigators. The question is, what makes one chapter and verse more authoritative for citing than the other? End quote. When believers yield to so-called scientific fact, they are not standing on solid ground. They are making a faith commitment. It's just that it isn't with scripture. It's a faith commitment to secularism. Scientific research is not all uniformly 100% fact. It is subject to the biases, the emotions, the agendas of the scientists themselves. That's why science is always changing. Yes, part of it is we're growing in our understanding, but there is a part of it where it's simply just not science, and we're just imposing our own ideas upon this field. You still must exercise faith and trust when you believe in science. I'm not suggesting that science and the Bible are opposed to each other, that they're enemies. Um, Rather, I'm suggesting that the human interpretations, interpretations and conclusions of evidence oftentimes can be opposed to the Bible, and certainly these uh, interpretations and conclusions Uh, uh, propose an alternative source of uh, authority to Scripture. So the question then becomes this. What source of authority will you trust? Will Will you believe in sola scriptura? Or is it something else? We all believe things based on authority. C.S. Lewis reminds us of that, okay? If you believe in sola scriptura, then act like it. And remember this. We can take the, the Christian can confidently take, thus saith the Lord, into the public sphere. In fact, that is the only credible source of authority that we can take into the public sphere is, thus saith the Lord. Don't silence that in order to appeal to whatever the temporary changing value system of the world is. Always appeal to biblical authority. Now, when I do that, will they deny us access to the table, to the the discussion table? Probably. Will they mock us and ridicule us and accuse us of being outdated cavemen? Most likely. Why do it then if it may not be effective? If thus saith the Lord may not be effective, why do it? Because we're not pragmatists, we're Christians. I'm not trying to build a hopeless case for us. We must be prepared to preach the word even if it does yield no fruit, okay? But I also believe that when we are faithful to God's revealed authority and when we cling to that and that alone in no other source of authority and we don't compromise in the area of sola, scriptura, God in his mercy can and does bring forth his chosen. The Bible actually 
condemns this whole pragmatic way of thinking about, and there's a number of verses that, that we can go to, uh, should we sin so that grace may abound by no means. But in particular, I want to look at Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Probably not a, a couple of verses that we typically think of going to when we're talking about this idea of pragmatism, but uh, I think it's very relevant. The, the, the passage says this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Let me just read that first part again, verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Why? Lest you be like him yourself. When we exchange biblical authority for human authority, we become like the fool in Proverbs. When we answer a fool according to his folly, that is to say, when we embrace his value system and his authority, what happens? We become like him, foolish. Verse 5 gives the remedy to that. And the remedy is this, answer a fool according to his folly. What are you saying, Solomon? You just said, don't do it. Now you're saying, do it. Uh, Answer a fool according to his folly. What Solomon is saying here is that we temporarily embrace his value system for the sake of argument in order to demonstrate its folly. So when we uh, are in the public sphere and we say, no, materialism and empiricism, that's wrong, what we can do is we say, okay, let's grant you the fact, let's, let's assume for the sake of argument that it's true. If it were true for the sake of argument, then here's all the negative consequences and here's the, the um, uh, reduction to absurdity and here's all these things that flow out of this kind of a wrong starting point. But the, the, the imperative for us as believers is ultimately don't compromise the authority of Scripture in order to get a hearing in the public sphere. Because when you do that, you become like the fool. Do you reject, thus saith the Lord, in exchange for commonly held worldly, worldly values? If so, the Bible tells you that you are just like the fool. Who has sufficient authority? Is it man or is it the Bible? It's a decision that we're going to have to make. And I would suggest to us that it's the Bible and the Bible alone. Christian, let's preach the word on the basis of God's authority to a lost and dying world. Why? Because thus saith the Lord. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.